Uh, and so today I'm going to start uh, the first of a three-part seri series on forgiveness. Now I know most of you don't need to hear this. <laughs> you don't need this issue because you have never been hurt. You have never been embittered. You've never been slandered. And so you're okay. But there's a few of us that have gone through life and have taken some hits. All right? Uh, and growing up in New Jersey, I took more than my share of hits. And I'm sad to say, even when I got to Naples, I took a couple of big hits. Uh, and so God is speaking to us about how to react to those hits. You see, we have a different obligation than the world. We are the disciples of Jesus Christ. And so we walk with a different mindset. And so we have to understand what it is about forgiveness that God is speaking to us about. And I would say to you this, that I will speak to you often about it in this sermon series, but you cannot be used by God if the root of bitterness remains in your life. It's that simple. You cannot be used. God is not going to listen to your prayers. Jesus will say that. If that root of bitterness stays in your life, so whether you've been hurt by a spouse uh, or by a child or by an employer or even, dare I say, church, even if that's the case, then you have to come to terms with this. You cannot go on with your walk with Jesus if that root of bitterness remains in your life. You need to address it. And we're going to start today and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you uh, about what it means to have an unforgiving heart. Uh, God cannot use you if that's the nature of what you're dealing with. And so here's the amazing thing about forgiveness. Forgiveness is the gift we give ourselves. How about that? It's a gift to ourselves. When we forgive someone who has hurt us or slandered us, uh, we break up the horrible memories that reside in our mind, uh, and we engage in a, a process that leaves the past and embraces the future. You see, so many of us are hung out on the past. We continue to rehearse what was done, what was said, what I could have said. All right? You know that. Uh, and instead, that bit of brood of bitterness grows and grows in your heart. And so let's understand today what forgiveness is not. Many people have a misconception about this, and I want to address it to you. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Let's understand that, all right? It's not about forgetting. You can still remember it, but the pain and the bitterness of it are gone. Forgiveness, forgiveness is not acting like it never happened. Well, that would be ridiculous. Of course you know it happened. Uh, forgiveness is certainly not allowing it to happen again. This is important. In other words, if somebody has done something terrible to you, you forgive them, but you don't then open the door to come back into your life. That's important to understand that, all right? You need to address that issue as well. Forgiveness does not mean letting the offender stay in your face even if they are family. And there are people like this. And so you need to understand this, uh, how God wants you to act, how God really looks to have you forgive. And so you can have forgiveness in your heart while never having another conversation with that person. How about that? 
and yet you are forgiving them. Now, forgiveness is primarily a gift for you and not for the person who hurts you. You don't even have to go and tell the person who hurts you that you have forgiven them. You might choose never to tell them uh, because this forgiveness aspect is between you and God. It's removing the bitterness, the anger, the root of resentment from your heart. It is first and foremost about you. It's not reconciliation. Reconciliation is another thing. Reconciliation requires two people. Forgiveness requires you and your relationship with God. And so here's what, what you have to understand. Not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and waiting, waiting for the rat to die. Right? How many of us do that? Oh, I'm going oh, to just dwell on this. I'm going to dwell on it. And meanwhile, we're just eating ourselves alive. And that other person goes on having no idea what's going on in your heart, mind and heart. And so when we hold on to resentment and bitterness, effectively, we, we drink the bitterness, we drink the anger, we drink the resentment, uh, and it becomes a part of our psyche, our ongoing psyche. Uh, holding unforgiveness doesn't hurt the person who hurts you. Rather, it only hurts you and the people you love because it causes you to be unloving. And God wants you to understand this. This is all about you becoming closer to God. This is what God wants you to be as a disciple. Uh, now, forgiveness is not about forgetting that anything happened to you. It's not like you had a lobotomy. You understand? It's not about forgetting that these incidents don't happen. That would be a betrayal of yourself. Uh, but rather what it is, you no longer feel the pain and the anger and the bitterness and the resentment that's been removed from your heart because the Holy Spirit has helped you to do this, and that's what it is. Uh, we forgive, you see, because we do not want to jeopardize our future by bringing the ugly past in it. We want to have an ongoing relationship with God. You want to be used by God. You want to walk with God. You want your prayers to be answered by God, and so we have to do as Christ told us to do. Uh, and it is important to recognize that forgiveness takes time. I don't want you to think, all right, I heard that sermon today. I'm walking out to the parking lot. That's it. It's over. I've forgiven them. I've got a new life. It doesn't work that way, you see. It's an ongoing prayer request, ongoing confession to God, having the Holy Spirit come into your life and deal with it. Uh, and so the first step in this process uh, is to make the mental decision to stop rehearsing what took place. How about that? Oh, 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 I wish I said this to them when he said that to me. Oh, I can't believe they did this to me. I can't believe they treated me like that. And you could rehearse it in your mind and you go over it. And Well, maybe it's just me. <laughs> it's just me coming out of New Jersey. I know this doesn't happen to you, but yes. I spent a lifetime of rehearsing those things. I understand what it is until the Lord really grabbed me uh, and spoke to me. And so you have to make the mental decision with the help of the Holy Spirit to stop rehearsing the pain. Ask God to help you do this. Stop doing it uh, because this is the gift that we give ourselves. Otherwise, you're allowing the offender to live in your head. Is that what you want? You want them to live in your head, in your psyche, so that your future with God is, is in danger? We have to stop 
feeding the toxic conversation in our head. The next step after you do that is that we are not to hold the offenders accountable for what they did to us. Well, wait a minute, John. That's a big one. Not going to hold them accountable? No, because there's somebody more important than you that will hold them accountable. It's God. You understand? Nothing that you're doing about forgiving people that have harmed you keeps God from taking care of the scales of justice. And what I've learned in life is that God does that a lot better than I could do. And so I would say this to you. You need to be conscious of this. Don't sit there and try to make the offenders accountable to you. And look at what Jesus said as he was on the cross. Well, this is a great thing to consider. Uh, and here's what he said. At the time Jesus was being crucified, he cried, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Now, can you imagine the people that are sitting there putting him on the cross, draining him of life, giving him the greatest suffering, and he's praying for them? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And then if you say, well, only a divine power could do that. How about Stephen? How about Stephen? As the stones are raining down on him, as they're killing him, uh, as he looks up to heaven and he cries out, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Could you say that? I don't think I could. Uh, I hope someday I can. But this is exactly how God wants you to live. And the last step, the last step in this process, effectively of forgiveness, is that we pray for our enemies. What? Yes. You pray for your enemies. You ask God to bring them salvation. You ask God to give them wisdom. You ask God to give them discernment. And you offer them up to God so that God does what God feels is best. And that's what you do. And when you do this, you have completed a process of forgiveness. I want to give my personal testimony because I don't want you to think that, that uh, I've got all the answers in life. Believe me, there are many, many years uh, when I went into court, uh, I couldn't wait to get in because there were people who, who I wanted to rip out their windpipes. <laughs> and I was really good at that. All right? In fact, I would have done it for free. Um, I didn't let people know that. But, I mean, I, I was basically how I was wired. You understand? So you're listening to a guy who knows what it means to seek vengeance, all right? But only through the, the help of the Holy Spirit have I changed. And so let me give you an example. You know, as many of you have, that several years ago, we were slandered uh, at a prior church. Uh, our reputations were wrecked. We were forcibly removed from that church, as were many of you. We suffered a tremendous amount of pain. Uh, in fact, uh, Christianity Today magazine called me and wanted to interview me about what went on. But because of the Holy Spirit, I knelt before God and learned it wasn't about me to try to seek justice. I would put it before God and God would do it. Now, some months afterwards, at a party, I saw one of the chief malefactors who slandered me significantly. I walked up to him in front of about 50 people. Uh, and by the grace of God, I reached out, I shook his hand, I said, I just want you to know that I have forgiven you. I have forgiven you. Uh, and I said, and when I, I see you and when I, I give you this forgiveness, I cite the words of Joseph to his brothers. 
that he, what he said to them after 17 years being sold into slavery by them, and he said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. That's what I said to him. That's what I said to him. This is the grace of God. Now, he didn't try to reconcile. He didn't say, please forgive me. Instead, he said, well, you know, we always thought you should have your own church. Really, really. You see how people act? You see how people act? Didn't matter. I was done. I delivered the message. I did what God wanted me to do, and I closed that book. I could not come up here and preach to you if I still had lingering bitterness and unforgiveness in my heart. Before God, I can say that I have forgiven everyone in this life who in some way has hurt me. I have forgiven everybody because otherwise I cannot be used by God. And that's the message for you. Because I know some of you are walking around with hurt and bitterness and anger. You don't talk about it, but it's there. It's in that little room that's locked up. You know that. And so God cannot use you. You need to come to terms with this. Now, Matthew 5 is very poignant. Verse 23, Jesus said there and talked about people, and he was referring to the Pharisees primarily, but he said, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to your brothers. Then come offer your gift. How about that? God's not interested in your gifts. God's not interested in your worship. Even as you're there in the altar, God's interested in your heart. Go and forgive. And if possible, reconcile. But reconciliation requires two people. I'm speaking today about you and the Lord. And so forgiveness must take place first before any act of worship is recognized by God. Now think about that. Some of us have been going to church for years, all right? Uh, and, and we're trying to worship God, yet we've got that, that, just that, you know what I mean. If I could only, I would, right? I just like to come face to face with them in a dark alley, you know? And God sees your heart. And that occlusion is keeping you from being able to have a full relationship with God. God wants to use you in a powerful way. And so Jesus goes even further than this in Matthew verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 14. And he says, therefore, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. Now, let's do proper theology, all right? Let's do proper theology. This verse is very much misconstrued. It does not mean that you lose your salvation because you're in a state of unforgiveness. It has nothing to do with that. When you come to faith with Jesus Christ and you give him your heart and you accept him as your Lord and Savior, you are saved instantaneously and forever, eternal security, but, but you can still have a daily state of unforgiveness. And so what's happening here is Jesus is telling us 
that that ongoing relationship with God, certainly you're saved, but the day-to-day relationship with God is occluded. He's not being able to use you. You're not being able to advance the kingdom of God because you have this unforgiveness, and that's what it's about. That's why he says you must ask God to help you forgive, knowing that in that way, he's forgiving you as well. We want to be able to advance the kingdom. We want to be used. Uh, And so Jesus instructs us, certainly in the Beatitudes, how to build into our prayers a request Uh, for God to forgive us in the same way that we have forgiven others who have harmed us. Now, that's in the Lord's Prayer. Lord, forgive us our debts, our trespasses, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Now, I know a very godly man who says, I can't make that prayer, John. I can't make that prayer. I said, why? Because I can't say to God, don't forgive me, God, as I'm not forgiving others. Uh, And I said to him, no, that's a prayer you must make. You must make, because that's the daily confession to God. You're saved. You've given your heart to God. You're going to be with God forever. Now, daily, daily, you need to come to terms and understand that. Uh, and, And so we want God to restore a right relationship with us. And that's what this is about. Uh, Jesus is saying that to ask God to forgive your sins while you're not forgiving those who have trespassed against you makes you a hypocrite. And God despises nothing more uh, than hypocrisy. We cannot walk with God in true fellowship if we refuse to forgive others. Really what this becomes is a daily mindset. As you begin this process, what you find happening is your spirit changes. You become a more loving a forgiving person, even as the hurts come about, even as people do unkind things, instantaneously you're forgiving them because your mindset, your heart is changed as the Holy Spirit takes over your life. Now, Jesus focused on the full extent of forgiveness in his discussion with Peter. Uh, uh, and, and one of the things that I've come to terms with is I've written a sermon and prayed over it It gives me insight about communion. Communion. Have you ever wondered while God, what Jesus said and Paul wrote about, let a man examine himself? Let a man examine himself before he takes communion. Well, what do you think the examination process is about? He's speaking to saved Christians. They're about to take communion. These aren't murderers or rapists or robbers. Let a man examine himself. What is he examining himself to see? I believe the spirit of unforgiveness. That's what he's saying. The very spirit of unforgiveness. Examine yourself. If this is what it is, ask God to cure it. Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter, who else, came to Jesus and asked, Lord, and I got to love Peter. Peter represents us in so many ways, doesn't he? Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Give me a number, Jesus. I just want to know because the moment that number is eclipsed, I got a lot of things I got to go back and work on. But just give me the number so I know what it is. And Jesus said, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Effectively, this meant that Jesus expects you to forgive an infinite amount of time. 
And what I would say to you for the rest of your life, as you walk with Christ, every day you must forgive. That's the nature of what we signed up with. This is what Christ brings to us. This is how we have a, a life that impacts the kingdom. And so this unforgiving spirit is a serious sin uh, and should be confessed to God. And here's the thing. I don't know what's in your heart. You don't know what's in my heart, but God knows what's in your heart. And so you're walking around with bitterness, with anger. Uh, you've been hurt, and, and nobody has apologized to you. Some of it comes out of childhood. Some of you have been hurt by parents or siblings, and it sits there and resonates and grows and occludes your life. And yes, you're here in church, and yes, you're a Christian, but you're not being used to the full capacity that God can use you. You need to come to terms and understand this. This is critical. Uh, and so we need to understand that. God will not hear your prayers unless we show ourselves ready to grant forgiveness. Now, Matthew 6 does not teach that our eternal destiny is based on forgiving people. It's not. Uh, it teaches that our relationship, our ongoing relationship with God will be damaged if we don't forgive. Uh, and that's critically important. God wants to use you in the kingdom. Uh, and you know as God evaluates your life here when you get to the other side. That's part of the system of rewards that God will look at, how you impacted the kingdom of God. Uh, and so Bible is clear that God pardons our sins by grace alone. That's what happens. He's forgiven our sins based on the work of Christ on the cross, uh, not on your actions. You did nothing at all to be saved other than by accepting Jesus Christ and the finished work on the cross. Clearly, Jesus here is not referring to God's initial act of forgiveness that we experienced when we came to Christ on the cross. Jesus here is referring, and if you really drill down on this, to the day of cleansing we obtain when we confess our sins to Christ every day. Uh, this is important. This is the very act of fellowship that is interrupted uh, with sin that affects us all. It's why Jesus washed their feet. Did you ever wonder why did Jesus decide he had to wash the feet of the disciples? Why did he do that? What was the importance of that? Well, take a look, if you would. To me, what I'm talking about here in forgiveness is very analogous to this in John chapter 13, verse 10. And there it reads, Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. Obviously, he's speaking of Judas. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. The foot washing model is not a picture of salvation. It is a picture of sanctification, of ongoing holiness every day. Yes, your body is clean. Yes, you've been washed by the blood of Jesus. But every day you walk in this world, the dust comes up on your feet. And Jesus wants to wash your feet. That's what it's about. That's really part of a very important and practical aspect of communion. Uh, it is an important aspect of sanctification. This, this is what is required by God to be used by him. I'm starting the new season with, with this sermon because I want this church to go out into the world and be used mightily by God. 
I want each and every one of you to impact the kingdom of God. I want you to go out there and fight the evil that we swim in. This world has never been as bad as it is today. And God needs spiritual warriors. And you cannot be a spiritual warrior if you have unforgiveness in your heart, if your feet have not been washed. Uh, and so as we focus on this issue, you need to remember it involves only you and God. All right? This is not reconciliation. Reconciliation requires two people. And so you can never reconcile with somebody unless their heart is ready and been touched by God to reach out uh, and ask you for forgiveness as well. That's not your job, okay? That's the job of God. This is about forgiveness. Uh, and so you need to understand how important this is. Uh, and, and the difference is that if forgiveness is for the past and only takes one person, reconciliation is for the present and takes two people building trust into the future. That's not what I'm speaking about. Uh, but here's what you need to understand, and this is critical. Removing a violator from your life is your right. That doesn't mean that you do it with anger or resentment as you pray to forgive them. You have every reason to remove them from your life. Uh, you can re basically forgive them and remove the negative energy surrounding them. You understand that. There are certain people that you can't really affiliate with. You know this. They come into your life, and you feel the negative energy. You, you feel the resentment, and God doesn't want you to do that. So as you forgive, don't think that you, it's imposed upon you to have an ongoing relationship. No, it is not. Uh, you can evict them from your life and refuse to allow them access to your life until they change their behavior. It's that simple. They have to change their behavior. Forgiving someone uh, does not ever give them license to do it again. All right? Understand that. Understand that. And so we, we see the pattern that Jesus has set for us. We see the pattern that God, God has indicated to us. Uh, and so we understand how he wants us to live. Now, the question for us is this. What do we have to do to enhance our walk with Jesus? Well, confession is the key. Here's the key. Even as you're in church right now listening to this sermon, I hope the Holy Spirit is saying to you, God, you have to, Joe, you have to, you have to confess this to me. John, you have to reach up to me and ask for help. Sam, you need, to, you need to tell me what you need in order to address this issue. I know what you're suffering. Uh, and so it's, it's the key to your ongoing relationship. It allows you to confess. Why? First, you, you, as you do this, first, it gives you a greater understanding and appreciation of the cross. You understand this? As you go through this process and you ask God to forgive you, you appreciate the cross. I can only appreciate what Jesus did on the cross when I continually examine myself. That's why communion says, let a man examine himself. Because in the examination process, you appreciate what Jesus did for you. He died on the cross for you. And you can't even forgive your neighbor because they said some word to you or some sentiment to you. Uh, and, and you can't forgive them. Well, you understand what Jesus did on the cross. Secondly, we have a greater understanding of the work of grace. 
You have been surrounded by grace. You have been saved by the grace of God. Remember, grace is unmerited favor. All right? Everything that you have was not earned for. It was in spite of yourself. God gave it to you. That's grace. And you need to recognize that even as you approach unforgiveness. Third, and this is critical, uncontested sin in, area, in any area of our life provides the bricks with which the enemy builds a stronghold. Don't you see how this works? This is all how Satan works. He looks at you. He sees that you have resentment and bitterness and anger, and then he feeds into it. He says, yeah, think about it, what they did. They don't deserve that. You need to punish them. And it builds and builds and builds. Uh, and, and so you see this, and you understand that Jesus recognized this and told us that's why we have to ask God to forgive our debts as we forgive others, because he's aware of this ongoing brick building of Satan in your life. Uh, and, and this becomes critical. When you study the Beatitudes, especially Matthew chapter 6, this is where you see it very clearly indicated. Uh, and so we need to make sure and understand this. God will not hear your prayers if you are laboring with an unforgiving spirit. That's simple. That's simple. And so in order to advance the kingdom of God, we must remove entirely any root of bitterness within our hearts. And for some of us, this goes back to childhood. It goes back to childhood. It may go back to early days of marriage. You may have suffered a divorce, and those issues still linger in your life. Look at what Paul said about recognizing what we're fighting in this world. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. There it is. We're not fighting human battles. You may think that your unforgiveness is fighting a human battle. It's not. You're waging war with Satan, who's using that to keep you from walking with God uh, and a triumphant Christian wife uh, and really receiving the grace of Jesus Christ. Look also uh, in this prescription, and I'm giving you a prescription now, how to, how to speak to yourself and speak to God about this. Look at Romans 12, verse 18. Here's how you address this spirit of unforgiveness. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, Repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, and here it is, if you want to see what the Lord says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You understand what it means to put burning coals on someone's head? It's someone who has wronged you who has been horrible towards you, who has slandered you, and yet you've forgiven them, you act in forgiveness, all right? You actually give them something to eat or something to drink, and, and they are confounded. Burning coals are on their head. They don't understand. You understand? But he understands. He understands. And this is how you have a triumphal life. Look also as Jesus tells us how we are to treat each other, 
uh, in Ephesians 4, verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. This is how the world will know who we are. This is how we are to forgive. You have an ongoing forgiving nature. You're not bitter. You're not raging. You're not uh, in anger as you walk through this world. You're not brawling and slandering people. You're walking in peace and forgiving each other daily. That's how you develop this forgiving nature. And that's what God wants us to have. Finally, look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Bear with each other. And forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as God forgave you. Remember what was done on the cross. Approach your life every day with that mindset. Forgiveness. Lord, I forgive them. Lord, I pray for them. I pray that this message resonates in your heart and that you ask God to come to terms with any lingering issue that you have because he wants to heal you. He wants to use you. He wants to raise you. You want to become a powerful tool for God. This is the only way you can do it. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you so much for the message that you have given us today about forgiveness. Father, we don't know who has this issue in their heart, but we're all human. And so in some ways, we all do, Father. And so I ask you that you give us discernment, that you convict us with the Holy Spirit. Let us know today who we have to forgive and bring it to our mind and bring it to our hearts and let us forgive them today. Empower us, Lord, with the Holy Spirit. Raise us up so that we can do this. Help us, Lord, as each and every one of us do this, that we become a triumphant church, a church where people can come and be forgiven and embraced and loved, and affirmed. This is what you have told us to do. This is why this church has started. This is the lighthouse that we are. Help us, each one of us, Father, to be able to be used like this in this way as we put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you, church.